Hey, this is Mark Thompson. I'm the voice of Yoda and many of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening to Yudini. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast, a Utini production. I found this whole experience to be very enlightening. Episode 18, Throng Treason Roundtable Part 2. We will be prepared for it, as long as you do exactly as I say. On this episode, the Utini team continues their review of the Star Wars novel Throng Treason by Timothy Zahn. It's closer than you think, Captain. We get an update on the Utini bookshelf and read your reviews. Commence the attack. And now, here are your hosts. May I introduce... Dr. Corey Helton. I will accept your formal surrender. Eric Eilerson. The Emperor has assured me that he supports my project. And Dr. Charles Henkel. I've studied them. They will no doubt defy convention and attempt something unexpected. Man, we're like in the trenches right now. We are in the trenches. We are in the trenches. Oh my gosh. Why do I spend time making them for the week before when we can make them in five minutes? (laughs) Because if you make them the week before, I don't have to help. That's true. Dude, I'm already, when I'm reading Black Spire now, I'm already thinking like, oh god, I'm going to have to come up with questions. How do I do this? Give <laughs> yeah. me page numbers and shit. Appreciate you throwing us under the bus. Oh, I, I did ship you the book though, Charles. Oh, you did? Actually, yeah. This time, hopefully, I forgot to tell you the day. Hopefully, the day Charlotte that we like and, played with your mic and stuff. Yeah. Like I was sitting on my desk. I meant to show it to you. That, hey, I'm about to go put this in my mailbox. Well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I am looking. Eric, did you det- did you determine if it was different or not? Yeah, I think it is different, as far as I can tell. Okay, well, Charles, you get to read a completely different book than Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if it's actually uh, crucially different or it's just like, you know, a couple changes here and there. Right. It's probably the entire it. ending. Excited. Yes, the entire ending is different. All the characters speak completely differently. And there's a whole new droid, probably. Yes. And I would like to keep it that way. But you know what's exactly the same as it was last time we recorded this? Thrawn Treason, because that's what we're talking about on the Living Force Podcast, episode 18. Welcome into the second part of our Thrawn Treason Roundtable. As always, I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and I'm joined today by the doctors themselves. First off, Dr. Corey Helton, welcome. What's up, what's up? And Dr. Charles Hankel with a new microphone. It is a new microphone, and that means that I am not in my walk-in closet. But there is a helicopter going by my apartment right now, so (laughs) there's that. How close do you live to your hospital, Charles? One block. Okay, yeah. So we were looking at houses. There was a house that was really close to... Um, the hospital, and, and my wife was like, yeah, we shouldn't buy that because of all the sirens. And I'm like, yeah, no, it'll be fine. It's not fine. It's no, not, it seems very not fine. The good thing is that I literally die every time I sleep, so it doesn't affect me whatsoever. <laughs> That's, you know what? That's fascinating to know. I've known you for over a year and a half, and I never knew that. Yeah, don't text me while I'm sleeping. You will not get a reply. <laughs> That's that's funny. That's funny. Oh, uh, so, no. Your new setup looks really good, and listeners, you'll be able to see Charles' new setup in a bit, because we're still working on pumping out that video content for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about yeah, let's the do release that. that a little bit? Yeah, so like, um, we have set a rough 
a rough plan um, for after Eric moves into his new place of going live with live stream video content and maybe some Patreon stuff about mid-October, I think, is the plan right now. So another month, two months and a half, whatever that is, uh, we will probably be not just an audio podcast anymore. So yeah, maybe we'll be like the Joe Rogan show and get Bernie Sanders to come (laughs) on and talk about Star Wars. We're going to look awesome. Dude, if that happened... We better get double the double the listens on that episode because I'd be fascinated to know what the hell Bernie Sanders thinks about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I don't foresee that happening. No, uh, but you know, if we did that, that would be a Patreon exclusive, which is a wonderful segue to give a couple quick thank yous. Uh, this yeah. past week, so last episode, if you listened to that, which I assume you did because this is a part two episode, we talked a bit about Patreon, and since then, we've had a couple people jump on or increase their Patreon donations. So first of all, we want to give a huge shout-out to Rural Farm Boy Anthony, who is a Patreon to a number of Star Wars podcasts. We've mentioned him on the show before. Huge forces for positivity in the Star Wars community. Oh, and yeah. he decided to throw some bucks our way. So we really appreciate you, man. If you don't follow him on Twitter, it just makes your day better. Yeah, it totally does. Yeah, so we definitely appreciate the love. And Adam Dyson, Young Animus, who is a huge guy in our Discord community in Utini, also a great Twitter follow. Uh, he increased his Patreon level with us. Uh, well, yep. not level, because again, we still only have one level. But he he's increased like, the money. Yeah, which is what we care about. So, <laughs> thanks, man. Serious, seriously. It, it, guys, it blows my mind every time Corey will send us something in Slack being like, hey, look, someone else is giving us money that they earned in their life yes. for us to talk about Star Wars. We're just talking on the internet. Yeah. So thank you guys, truly, truly. And a couple more bits of business, because we do want to jump into Thrawn as quickly as possible. Last week, we asked for some reviews, both on Utini itself, because you can review books on there as you want, and about the podcast, and we got a few. So we did. So a quick shout-out to Major Z over on Utini.com. They went and they reviewed both Myths and Fables, which my review is up right now. Freaking love that book. We talked about that last week. Oh, yeah. And Dark Disciple, which is one of our favorites. We've talked about that plenty of times. I think in our in our tier episode we talked about that, didn't we? Yeah. In our Foundational 5 episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it, it is a must-read. And I'm going to read through their reviews here real quick to kind of give you guys a vibe of what's going on in Utini as far as reviews go. So for Star Wars Myths and Fables, they said, A surprisingly complex and amazing middle-grade storybook. The artwork is phenomenal. The stories are amazing. My favorite being the Sith one in particular. Major Z, I'm going to agree with you on that. It felt like an old Sith tale akin to when Palpatine tells the story of Darth Plagueis in Episode 3. If I had a critique, it's a small one and that overall the stories were short. So They were. Yeah, but man, leave you wanting more. Yeah, maybe a little early to uh, jump the gun a little bit too much on this, but we have been talking to uh, um, the Mann. author, yeah, George Mann, a little bit on Twitter, and he's super down to come on the show. So, like, if we can get that set up, we are going to try to, and I would love to kind of pick his brain, especially somebody that is not like one of the super high profile books, right? Like, yeah, yeah, kind of snuck under the it snuck under the radar a little bit. Yeah, it really did, and it's always cool to talk about because a lot of authors sort of make their way into the you know quote unquote big times through a small book like that. Like, um, oh gosh, who's that guy that's written so Jason Fry? Jason Fry has yeah, he, he's yeah. written a lot of like sort of um, reference, reference books and things like that, and you know, got and his hands he did on Last Jedi. Kind of, yep, right. Yeah, so that'd be awesome. And frankly, man, I I think that the missing fables is so interesting because. He could honestly keep writing those. Like you could do one of those every other year or something, because mm-hmm. you can just keep making up an infinite amount of them. 
Yeah, Which he I does. He did so a really, cool. really great job with them. We have all just raved about that to be such a small book. Yeah. So thank you for that review. And the second review for Dark Disciple goes as follows. A must-read for prequel-era fans, Dark Disciple is the climactic story arc Asajj Ventress deserves. Truly such an interesting and complicated character that never ceases to impress. The audiobook was absolutely phenomenal. It felt like it was straight from the darker side of the Clone Wars. All props to Christy Golden for her amazing writing. And Mark Thompson did an awesome job as a narrator. Because Our boy Mark. Of oh, yeah. course he did. He's Mark freaking Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, we're, so... We're like Mark Thompson fanboys in this show. I mean, how can you not yeah. be? Yeah. <laughs> I still sometimes I'll just be sitting here and then I'll quietly remember when he showed us that insane amount of Yodas that he had on his desk. <laughs> It'll just it pop really into impressive. my head. It was so cool. So so thank you, Major Z, for those reviews. And again, if you want us to read some of those reviews on the show, head over to utini.com, review your favorite books, and we'll give you a shout out in the coming weeks. Additionally, over on iTunes, we asked for some reviews and ratings. We got two more ratings and two more reviews, so thank you guys for those. We got some reviews from uh, Juliana Mendez, gave us five stars, thank you, and said, love the show's vibe. You guys should do more book roundtables, which bodes well for this show. And she says, I would really love to hear that Queen Shadow Lost podcast. (laughs) Keep up the good work. (laughs) Charles, we got to do it again. All right, third time's the charm. Third time is All right. ridiculous. Guys, maybe, depending on what's happening next year, you know how we had that dead time post the movie we were talking about a couple episodes ago? What if we do a one-year anniversary reread and roundtable of Queen Shadow? Uh, maybe we will like it better than we did the first time. Maybe, yeah. maybe, so that's possible. Uh, and a final shout-out to Blue3, who simply says, this is some good Star Wars talk. Five stars. Mm. So thank Agreed. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, everyone. All right, and speaking of Juliana Mendez, we got an email. So it was a rate, review, email, like all the stuff we say at the end, they did in one solid go. So thank you for that. They wrote, speaking of Charles's favorite novel, Queen Shadow, uh, they said, in Queen Shadow, it's shown that Amidala meets Amina Bonteri when she first enters the Senate. But in Clone Wars episode 310, it's said that they meet in Naboo. Have you guys any thoughts about this? We were talking about this a little bit before the show. And Charles, did you find anything in your little brief research that you were just digging? No, you know, I I pulled Queen Shadow from my bookcase just now and was flipping through it. And I didn't find any definitive answers. um, But that just goes to show you we take your question seriously. Even though we don't have an answer right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into it a little bit more. I will say, though, and I know y'all don't know this because we lost our Queen Shadow Roundtable twice, and I hesitate to even bring up its name on this episode in case we lose this Please one. Crash. Um, but I did do a lot of research. I watched several Clone Wars episodes, and there were a lot of really, really tiny details that lined up well between them. So I I wonder um, if this was you know a continuity issue or not, but I will look into it because I think that otherwise E.K. Johnson did a fantastic job. Right. Yeah, I would totally back that up in like in that that book's continuity is is generally very good. So like if that is a blatant issue, it would surprise me. So yeah. let's but good let catch us get back to you. If it is one. Yeah, let's get back to you, Juliana, and uh, we will. hopefully we'll have an answer for you in the next episode or two. Yeah, yeah. but we want to make sure that we said thank you for get, for your email because we do love everyone we get, and we will address it further as time goes on. Finally, two last things before we jump into Thrawn once more. We ran a poll this week on the official Living Force podcast Twitter, if you don't follow us there, at Living Force Pod. 
And we asked you guys, what kind of perks would you like once we go live with Patreon officially? You know, when we when we add the levels, we add the tiers, what do you think would be cool for some extra content for our patrons? And the results were as followed, guys. Coming in at number four with 10% of the vote was uncensored episodes. So, all right. <laughs> I'm keep, glad we don't have to do that. Keep it reined in. Like, <laughs> not like Charles and I have super professional careers or anything. <laughs> we all change we, names. I would like to point out that we did not approve these questions before our media team uh, <laughs> sent, sent them out. <laughs> Loved that, though. Uh, number four at 23% was live podcast guest spot. Which is uh, a super interesting idea, by the way. Yeah, but it didn't happen, so too yeah. bad. Um, number two, number one and two are pretty close. Number two with 29% of the vote was a movie or TV show commentary. That shocks me because like there's so much Star Wars stuff already out there that just focus on like everything. That's one of the reasons we wanted to sort of stick with what we know, which is the expanded universe. So to hear people say that they want to hear what we think about movies and TV shows is a little surprising to me, to be honest. So yeah, I'm so, know. I'm so about it. I mean, honestly, cause we are hoping to launch Patreon by this time. We'd probably start that with like a Mandalorian recap. Oh snap! Oh, yes. No, no, I'm gonna say let's do that. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna put that in. That'll be one of our right. first Patreon That's, things we if, do. If we need excuse, we don't even need an excuse to talk about <laughs> like exploring all that together. So I am not gonna fine. sleep in the month of November. I've already established. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm just gonna try to bank yeah. sleep now. Yeah, but number one, guys, with 38 percent was the swag t-shirts, patches, etc. for the Living Force. Uh, and great. That sounds does awesome. Su- does not surprise me. I'm happy to put that back together. We have a little experience with that already because of our old book box days. So yeah, yeah that, sh- that shouldn't be too hard. And yeah. not that I'm saying anything officially yet, purely ruminating, there will probably be potential to ask for some design suggestions from fans so people give some input because I love our logo. I love what it is, but I think that we have plenty of opportunities for other shirts if you guys have yeah. your favorite inside jokes that we don't even know about to put on shirts pins etc uh yeah, especially when we go to celebration great. we would love to have a ton of pins and stuff to give out we have some we have some pretty good quotes from previous episodes we can we can use like i would i would love to put i would love to put uh eric got chewied on a shot <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah oh and uh, and find your ag88 that'd be a yeah, good one that's right that's a good one so thank you guys for those poll results, and if there's anything else you would like in the future of our Patreon or anything like that, tweet at us at LivingForcePod, shoot us an email, LivingForcePod at utini.com, and we'll make sure to take that into consideration. Now, before we take our break and get into Thrawn, Corey, give us an update on the Utini bookshelf. I know you've been hard at work on getting yes. that back online. Guys, the Utini bookshelf version 3.0 is almost ready for launch. So we are literally about to open up uh, for our beta, right? So we have... Um, we have everything almost in place. We just want to do a week or two worth of testing and get a lot of people at one time kind of in there. Our team has already been in there doing a lot of testing and has given me some really great feedback and I've been hard at work changing that. So I would kind of consider that our, the alpha, even though it wasn't formally an alpha, I changed a lot and now we're ready to open up to the, you know, some public beta stuff. Public beta is kind of a strong word. It's really more of a private beta. So if you want in on the beta, either uh, tweet at us, shoot us an email, or there is a uh, channel in Discord called Website Updates in our personal Discord, um, and you can uh, you can get in on, on the beta there too. So um, I need folks to kind of give me some feedback. So if you want to try the bookshelf before anyone else, then please get in that. If you've never heard of the Utini bookshelf before, this is a piece of software that we had um, well before the Living Force was ever a thing. 
um, back in the day, you could go in and kind of track what Star Wars books you own and don't own. And we've added a lot of new features to the new one. Like there's a wish list feature. There's a like you can mark books as you own them, but you haven't read them yet and cool stuff like that. So um, the new bookshelf is really sweet. I'm really excited to get it pushed out. And uh, I just need some more feedback before we're about ready to do it. So I would say that the formative release date is probably within the next 30 days to the public. I think that's pretty, pretty safe to say at this point. So Awesome. Yeah, so if, you, if you've been looking for a way to track your Star Wars reading list, which a lot of us are because I, I literally have to look at my physical bookshelf to say, wait, which ones have I read? How much have I done? Then we got yeah. you covered. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Whew. I think that does it for our, our news and updates. So we're going to take yeah. a really early quick break and listen to a Uchini member. We're going to go grab a drink, and then we are going to dive into the end of Thrawn Treason. Be right back. Hello, Living Force podcast listeners. My name is Andrew Bell, and I am part of the team here at Utini. I wanted to take a second and talk about a few of the awesome features that the website has to offer. For starters, I would encourage everyone to check out the many reading collections available on the site. These are super helpful when trying to navigate the sheer number of available books and really help you zero in on what you want to read based on your interests. Another really handy feature is the book profiles and ratings. Throughout my time reading Star Wars books, I've always found it difficult to get an accurate idea of what to expect from a certain book. With the in-depth book profiles put together by the Utini staff, it's as simple as doing a quick search for the book you're considering and finding all the information you need in one place. I personally find the numerical rating to be the most helpful, and knowing that it came from a group of people well-versed in the EU makes me confident that it is fair and accurate. I'll now send it back to Corey, Charles, and of course Eric, who I'm sure will have nothing but praise to say about this clip. And we are back after that clip that maybe talked about a Thrawn book? I don't know, but how cool would that have been? Fitting. Very fitting. <laughs> Fine, maybe not as cool as I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, but we are about to jump back into Thrawn Treason, because if this is your first Utini Roundtable experience, we're to start on an episode two, but we always take two episodes. Our first episode is usually about character and stuff like that, so if you haven't listened to our first episode on Thrawn Treason, go ahead and do that. We talked a lot about Thrawn, Eli Vanto, the history of the character, etc. And now this episode, we're going to go on to the next part of our outline, which is about some bigger ideas. So, Charles, take it away. All right. So we're just going to jump right into these big questions that I have for you guys. The very first one today is going to be about the warfare in this novel. Because Thrawn is, at its core, at least... Really, all of the legends and the canon books, they're about warfare. They uh-huh. are about how Thrawn does as a military leader, rising through the military ranks. So this novel specifically, I thought, had some really cool things that we've never seen used in warfare before. And I'm wondering, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Was there anything that stuck out to you? Or just generally speaking, what did you think? Uh, can you be more specific? What do you mean by new new things you're talking about like some of the weaponry and stuff so let me give you some of my my thoughts on things that stuck out so like using a tractor beam to steal an enemy ship and study it in the middle of a battle i that never even occurred to me before using Mm -hmm. a tractor beam to throw things at other ships and like launch ties without them powering up their engines like all of these things i never even thought of as possibilities and i was really blown away by by using concepts that we're very familiar with like tractor beams in entirely new ways yeah yeah i really did like honestly the the final battle was pretty cool it's pretty fun um 
to read. And I really did like, like you're saying, Charles, the throwing stuff with tractor beams was probably my favorite in addition to the blocking ion cannons with like other ships that you weren't using at the time. Yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. Gra- I mean, granted it happened because Thrawn knew every part of the yeah. plan, whatever, but the actual, <laughs> the actual machinations of the battle, I thought were really freaking cool. And I thought yeah. that there was a, I think that's really hard to do after, you know, 200 plus novels have been written in star Wars to be like, exactly. how do we make it feel like a, a good space battle without kind of retreading the same, um, Ideas over and over again. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So massive props to that, specifically the last 40, 50 pages. Yeah, I thought it felt like really sort of Pirates of the Caribbean-esque. Like mm, I, uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. I love that sort of like it seems like a lot of times the the Empire is very sort of formal in their – the way they do everything. It's just very clean and tight and there's protocol for everything and like, like – which is a lot like – we talked last episode how I'm kind of a World War II buff. Like, that was one of the big flaws of some of the uh, Axis powers in World War II is, like, like the German military, one of the reasons it was so effective was they had really strict protocols for how they did everything. The problem was it, it made them very inflexible, and that's that's one of the reasons that they say that the, like, Americans joining the war has such a huge impact because Americans would just do crazy stuff without permission from their superiors. That and sounds like, like us. Yeah, yeah, they would just do whatever they wanted to, and it would have crazy stuff. Like, like there was a there was I remember the story. There was some engineer that like realized a bunch of tanks were getting blown up because of the way it was rolling over a landmine. So he just built this weird shovel thing and welded it to the front of all the tanks in his little group, and it would just like shoot the mines out from in front of the tanks, and they wouldn't hit them anymore. And it's just like he just did that without asking anybody's permission. And like I love that sort of free thinking sort of model of doing warfare stuff. And you see that in, in like Pirates of the Caribbean where they like throw everything off the ship to make it go faster and like mm-hmm. fill the cannons full of like forks and spoons and stuff. And yeah. that's like, it's really fun. And it makes, it makes for a really fun thought experiment to talk about like slingshotting stuff with the tractor beam, which was sick. Yeah. I mean, that's why one of my favorite parts of the last Jedi is the holdo maneuver. It's, it's mm. the like, wait, what? And, yeah. and it's so epic because you, you can do that. Yeah. It is a very rebel thing, I think. And I think this is one of the first times we saw the empire do that. So yeah, that, that yeah. was cool. And I mean, the, a tractor beam is one of the very earliest pieces of Imperial, uh, tech that we've seen. I mean, that was obviously mm-hmm. present in a new hope. So this is yeah. something that has been around for, you know, 40, 50 years. And, and we're just now thinking of new ways to use these things and we're surprised by them. And I think that's really cool. And another thing to mention about that final battle specifically is that I feel like oftentimes we judge the intensity of battles that are happening in stories by their stakes, which typically equates to essentially how dangerous it is and how many people are dying and these sorts of things. But this battle was specifically made exciting in the exact opposite way because Thrawn predicted that there would be no loss of life essentially but the battle itself still felt very high stakes and I think that it actually takes a ton of skill to kind of turn that whole concept on its head and still make the battle feel very high stakes yeah because I think there was definitely the feeling that okay if if a single person dies then Thrawn screwed because then the that's the excuse that Savit and everyone needs to turn on him and actually say, "Look, this alien is killing Imperials." Yep. You know, so yep. I think and it, it would very, be entirely very, on his shoulders. Right. So it was it was a good plan, and 
I mean, it worked. This Again, the stakes were high because I wondered how he was going to do it. I never doubted it was going to work because it's Thrawn. True. But at the True. same time, that was a very specific um, I'm looking for goal that we hadn't really seen before. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah, agreed. So let's switch gears a little bit from the warfare and talk about some of the more mystical stuff that happened in this book. Yeah. Because we've been getting introduced to some of these weird abilities recently that the Chiss have that are not really force abilities. I guess maybe they are. Uh, maybe they're kind of like the Witches of Dathomir type thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But they have these abilities that are that are very special that other people don't have. So we were introduced to Third Sight in uh, the second book, Thrawn Alliances, which was essentially the ability to, I don't know, see into the future for a split second and allow you to navigate through hyperspace. But this book introduced something called Second Sight, which is basically reading someone else's mind. Uh, Now, first of all, do you guys think that these are Force abilities? And if not... Are you open to this idea of non-force users having these types of abilities? They got to be force abilities, man. Like, yeah. Everything, okay. in, everything mystical in Star Wars is always explained with force abilities. I completely agree. I don't think that they are Jedi or Sith abilities because I think mm-hmm. the Jedi and Sith are, are specific religious sects of the Force, right? But mm-hmm. in this world, the the rules have been set up that the Force is a real thing. The Force right. actually exists. The Force ebbs and flows. So I definitely think this is. A, a type of force ability. So sure. whatever the Chiss assign themselves to as far as, you know, we're not Jedi, or the Skywalker thing. Like, mm-hmm. they're not Jedi, they're not Sith, but they are definitely manipulating the force. Or rather, I think yeah. more, more accurately, letting the force flow through them more akin to Jedi than Sith in that way. It's yeah, inter- Third Sight... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's interesting because... The Jedi we already look at as very special, and everyone in-universe already looks at it as very special because it's rare to have these abilities. And I, I thought it was cool how Ronan noticed that Vanya reacted to that guy falling on the bridge a split second beforehand, and he was like, oh, man, she's a Jedi. Like, that's where his yeah. mind went. Like, it's not even on his radar yeah. that, like, there are Force users that aren't Jedi. Yeah, yeah. that's very interesting. Because I will say, I... I don't need a Chiss Jedi. I'm totally cool with those, especially at this point in the timeline, like those timeline, those, uh, sorry, those orders kind of staying separate because mm-hmm. I'd like, I think it's way more interesting, like we were saying, to have a Chiss that just uses the Force in a completely different way. And I think that's where the evolution of Star Wars is going to go a little more. Yeah. They're almost scientists, like in a way, like the yeah, navigators yeah, are. Yeah. Like they're using the Force for a specific purpose, which is very interesting. And that's the only thing they use it for which is very interesting. I still, you know, going back to the theory that Snoke could be a Grisk, Uh um, I don't know if it was you guys on the Utini team that said it, if it was in Cantina talk we were talking about this, or if I saw it was Eric, right? Wasn't it Eric? Yeah, Yeah. well, well, I remember Eric brought up the Grisk thing, but, like, have you guys seen the theory that, like, the Rey and Kylo Ren, like, being connected is kind of a weird form of third sight? I have not. second sight, you mean? Uh, is it second? What's the one where they read each other's minds? Second, second, second right? Sight. Yeah, okay. Ooh. Yeah, so second sight. Ooh. Yeah, so it may, must have been Reddit. It must not have been you guys who are not familiar with it. Yeah, I saw it like that what if him connecting them to like that was some weird variation of, of that because they're sort of, I mean, it kind of fits a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I think especially, it's po- especially it's not, not just the like the hands touching and the, 
it, okay, I'm sorry, not just the like being able to see and talk to each other, but I'm specifically talking about the moment where they touch hands and both saw a future, right? Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. like they they get each other's the, in the book, like they get each other's memories and, and souls, and, 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 they get, and, and right. Ray absorbs his fighting abilities and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds right. I mean, he's definitely not a chiss unless he's an albino chiss or something. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that if the Grisk can f- find a way to manipulate the second side of the chiss, that's interesting. Yeah, totally. I don't hate yeah. that. I wonder. We, we will, we will is, not find is, out about it in nine, but no, I think that it's interesting no. for the future. I wonder what I is mean, first what, sight. Is that just sight? Is that just the ability to see? normal <laughs> that's first i mean probably we, we, honestly we all have first sight that makes me feel special <laughs> we're kind of like the chess guys so Corey, you brought up you know second sight specifically and i wanted to bring up something that it looked like zon was laying out that would take place later in the story that never really turned into anything and it, it made me wonder about why it was brought up at all so on page 116 in case you're flipping along with your Thrawn Treason novel or want to go look this up it's revealed that using second sight aka looking into someone else's memories on uh, on someone who also has second sight could lead to each person getting lost in each other's minds and this yeah. happened when Vanya was looking into the other navigator's mind and I thought it was a really interesting piece of information to provide to us the audience but it never amounted to anything like no one ever got lost in anyone, in anyone else's mind so why tell us that at all? And do you think that that is going to come into play maybe later on? I mean, I I think it's I think it might be setting up. What's her name? Va- Vanya. Yeah, Vanya. the navigator. Yeah, it might be setting up Vanya to be a a bigger deal. I think than maybe she's been already because like it's already weird that she's older. Remember, didn't it establish that yes. in earlier Thrawn books that the Skywalkers only live? No, they don't die. Right, they lose their yeah. force ability. Yeah, yeah, they lose it as they get older. Yeah, right. So she's like in her twenties or something. I think in this book is what it said. So yeah, may- maybe it's setting her up to like not only is she still have her force power, but she's also like able to survive this super risky thing. Maybe she's some more powerful force user. Maybe she's Snoke. God. Well, no, I I do, dude. I love that they specifically said she was like twenty two. Right before Eli started flirting with her, so he didn't think it was weird. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, no audience, it's fine, it's fine." She's in her twenties because usually they're kids. The Skywalkers are yes. like little, like seven year old, ten year old. Like, how old is the other little girl? She's like, seven or eight. She I was, think. yeah, she was like about that age. And She's so were all minutes, of the yeah. ones from Thrawn Alliances that they saved yeah. from the right. Greeks. Right. So I, I definitely think that there is potential for for that to come up later but i also think that is just a kind of a cool fun thing to expand the mythology sure which i which i think is also totally valid you know so i actually again i the more chiss mythology stuff we can get i'm down because i think that's interesting but uh, i don't know i'm still worried i'm worried that it will I don't know. Anger leads to hate, Eric. I know, I know, I know. Hate so leads to suffering. Nope, so I'm going to choose to be excited about the fact that maybe we get that, like, maybe when we go back to the Chiss homeworld, there's a place set up for for people that lost themselves in other people's minds, and now they're kind of cared for by the community because, you know, thank you for your service, and now we're going to tend to you in your insanity in your old age or something. I think that'd be yeah. really sad. In, in or your it's, old or it's age like an old like time. 12. <laughs> Or it's like an old time mental hospital, like this, and all those ghost TV shows where, like, they basically murdered all the kids and did horrible things to everybody. Also, because that. Chests <laughs> are actually awful to 
If you're not useful to society, then we hate you. Yep, call you down. That's okay. Right. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I may have brought this up to you guys on our Thrawn Alliances roundtable, but given that that was back in our YouTube days and before the days of the Living Force, I want to bring this up again because I'm really going to just... I'm going to jump the shark on this. I'm going to just go straight for it. Do you believe that Grand Admiral Thrawn was a Skywalker or one of these Chiss that had special abilities? Uh, And if not, why not? And if you do, do you think that maybe his apparent intellect actually stems from that ability? I I don't know. That's a stretch. I, I would have trouble believing that he's a Skywalker. He also doesn't fit like the sort of picture of all those people like so far everybody we've seen has been really shy and timid and like i don't know i would really find it hard to believe yeah i i i don't think he was as well and i'm gonna agree to everything you said Corey, and also add an idea that in order for him to be as tactfully intelligent as he is at that age he was probably in a military academy of some sort learning that's probably so if if he was a skywalker he would have only been on ships and just navigating and the fact that he still uses like a bunch of other people to navigate and doesn't offer any insight into that, I think cuts that out. Okay, so let me bring up a couple of things. I did go back and look in Thrawn Alliances, because it's been a while, and I want to remind you of a moment that happened between Thrawn and Vader when they were discussing the Chiss Navigators for kind of the first time. I think this was when we first found out that this was called Skywalking, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's on page 269. He's referring to their gender, and he says, As to their gender, those with the gift are nearly always female. There are exceptions, but that is the general rule, and no one knows why. Then on page 270, he says, The sacrifice. Most make it willingly for the sake of the ascendancy, but all with the ability must make it. For a moment, his eyes seemed to unfocus, as if facing unpleasant thoughts and memories. Then his mind came back. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. What is that I do, about? I, I do remember that. I, I wonder if he had, like, a family. Didn't we talk about this back in the day? We I think we might have, of, like, like maybe it was a daughter or... Yeah. I don't Ooh, know. I love, the, I love the idea that he had a daughter that he had to give up. Yeah, and maybe that's why, because he has never expressed any interest in having a companion. Like, he's so focused on tactics tactician stuff like maybe it's a daughter that he had with arlani arlani yes (laughs) oh my god guys that's why they split because the grief of having to give up their daughter ruined the marriage it's very han and leo if you're listening yes advice from the living forest free of charge all right that's my new (laughs) headcanon i'm subscribing to it thrawn and arlani had a daughter who had to become a navigator and then the stress of it broke apart their marriage to the point where Thrawn was like, I will volunteer to go to another galaxy to get away from the grief of losing my child. And Maybe. because I'm so sad, I will be closed off and emotionless forever. That, that really was good writing, though, on, on Zahn's part back in Thrawn Alliances. Like, I don't know if he'll ever follow up on it, but it was a super interesting thing to throw in there. And very uncharacteristic of Thrawn, if I might Yeah. Add. Absolutely. So good catch, Charles. Yeah, he showed some serious emotion there, which he really never how, does. How did you how did you remember that? Like did that just stick with you or something? It, it's honestly it's just because whenever I first read it, I remember that that's where my mind went and 
um, I, I kind of had it in the back of my mind the whole time I was reading this book. And when we saw Second Sight, I thought that maybe Thrawn was going to exhibit Second Sight on someone else. I thought that's where it might be going. It's kind of where I want it to go. I don't really know why, but I, I think that they, they have established that males can be uh, navigators or can have these abilities. And he clearly has some emotional stake in uh, the sacrifice that you have to make. So The abilities. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so I would I would like to see where it goes from there, you know what I mean? And I would like yeah, to see so if Thrawn can actually uh, uh I don't know. I don't I don't like the idea of, of making him a force person because I'm gonna contradict myself slightly. While I do think he's too OP as of now, I think now if if, if at this point we said, Oh, by the way, everything he's done has been because of his force abilities, I'd be like, Get out of here. Yeah, but I think it would actually fit really well, right? If he had third sight and was, and I hear what you're saying too, Eric, about you know why wouldn't he be navigating and whatnot then? But mm-hmm. that might let other people know that he has this ability, and then you know they could account for it to try to work against him. But you know, what if he was able to predict that entire battle because he can see a little bit into the future? I think yeah. it would make sense. It would make sense. I don't know if uh, if if that's what people want or, you know, if that might kind of ruin his character because he is just supposed to be a a normal person, but just incredibly intelligent. But I think it's an interesting thought at least. So I wanted to bring it up to you guys. I agree. Okay. So moving on from kind of some of these force abilities, I want to talk about something that I think is probably a little controversial. I think all of us here might have some different opinions on this. I think a lot of people in the audience probably have some different feelings on this. I want to talk about the Grisks as an enemy and as an antagonist and whether they work for you or not and just what your general thoughts are. And I want to start this off by reading you a passage from page 203 that I think really speaks towards what the Grisks are all about. So here it is. This is uh, talking about Aralani and her thoughts on what Thrawn has described. It says... Now, for the first time, she truly understood why Thrawn was so deeply concerned about this particular threat. An enemy who could enslave the hearts and minds of their captive species so thoroughly that they were willing to die on the Grisk's behalf, even when their masters were gone, even when those masters would never know whether those slaves had fulfilled their final orders, posed a terrible threat to the galaxy. With an enemy like that pulling the strings, one could never be certain if an ally was still an ally or a subservient species still subservient. The Grisks could wear a thousand faces and could wield a thousand weapons. They might not be able to destroy the Empire from without, but they might well be able to subvert and destroy it from within. First of all, I would like to point out that that first part about being willing to follow orders even when the Master would never know that the slaves fulfilled the orders sounds very Operation Cindery to Mm me. Second of all, is that not terrifying? Is that not a very scary idea that these enemies are ones that you might never see coming, that you might never know are there, but are still controlling everything. It's, it's very Palpatine-y, it's I very feel Palpatine-y. like. It is. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, uh, something, else, something else I was going to point out, too, is I was reading um, on Reddit earlier today on one of the Star Wars uh, 
one of the Star Wars EU pages, and we have kind of compared the Grisk to the Yuuzhan Vong a lot, actually. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we have, both on the show and everybody else has been doing that, too, on, on the internet and stuff. And this is something that stands out as being very unlike the Yuuzhan Vong, okay? So somebody pointed this out uh, earlier today. I read this super long post about, like, what the whole point of the Yuuzhan Vong war, and I have not read those books, but I didn't actually know how this concluded, but they were talking about um, how at the very end... Like some of the leaders in the Yuuzhan Vong like killed themselves, like out of sacrifice because they, for some weird reason or whatever. And like mm-hmm. basically the entire army surrendered and they all like sacrificially killed themselves also, except for a few select people. I'm like, that is not how the Grisk behave at all. So, like, no. that is one gigantic difference, it seems like, between the Yuuzhan Vong and, and, and the Grisk is like the Grisk are maybe a little more loyal to a cause rather than a like a weird. I don't weird sort of what's the right word um like I, I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to say their po- like, uh, their their goal is domination it, like yeah. if they if they did take over the galaxy in a similar way to the Yuuzhan Vong they would never do that what you're right. describing tradition like they're not loyal to traditions what I was trying to right. say right and like, I, I mean honestly what this what this makes me think of is like soviet sleeper agents is like the whole mm-hmm. fear of people have been living among you and they're just waiting for years uh, sometime to activate or like, you know, you go to Marvel, you get the secret invasion with the scrolls, like all the, the, the idea of a, a group of people infiltrating you is a fear that I think is, is very rooted in a lot of societies and a lot of fiction. And I think that is interesting as a concept. And Charles, I think you nailed it. Like it's terrifying. I think that's a great word for it, especially how it plays out with, with, um, some of the people in this book being willing to fly a ship into known destruction and known death because that's what the Grisk require. So I think that speaks pretty well to the future of the Grisk storyline because I think they have a potential to, you know, have abilities that Thrawn can't predict or have uh, willing to go to lengths that don't make sense to Thrawn, which could be interesting and to go back on the whole Snoke might be a Grisk theory, I mean, that's exactly what Snoke's doing. He got into Ben Solo's mind and made him Kylo Ren, where it meant to assume the whole First Order kind of rises, and he's a little shadow figure behind it all mm-hmm. for the most part, and he's kind of slowly making them all so loyal that they will die for the First Order no matter what through a bunch of brainwashing, and I think that that is a way more terrifying concept than you know something like even the Empire of the Separatists. Yeah. Um, now, I know that some people don't really like the Grisks that much. They don't feel like they have too much of an impact. And we they don't, don't we feel don't know like... anything about them yet. It's really yeah. the biggest Oh, yeah. Issue. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. All this is kind of like, hypothetically, I would like them to go. I don't enjoy them. I don't... We talked about this a little bit in the last episode. I feel like there were a little bit of a writing crutch here. And I feel like it was a little bit of... As much as we joked about it the job security thing for Zahn about being like, I know the risks and no one else does. And so, Perhaps. yeah. Hypothetically, though, so. they could be awesome. They just haven't been real, really well, you know, sort of explained yet. Yeah. There's still, yeah. still a I giant th- mystery. And what makes, yeah, what makes them interesting right now is their mystery. And they yeah. could be very interesting in and of themselves when we learn a lot more about them. But right now, we just don't have that information. But right. I think the cool thing is, and I'm not saying that I necessarily want this at all, but they could really pop up at any point in time in any story, and you could find out that they were kind of involved in some ancillary way. So yeah. we we have no idea when they might show up again. 
The only thing we know is that Palpatine is not a Grisk. <laughs> I will. I will. Do we, do we know that for certain? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about another big question that I have, and that kind of stems from the fact that Thrawn knows about Project Stardust, which he's yeah. not really supposed to. Uh, in, in fact, he knows a lot more than he really even should. He knows that it's actually called the Death Star, and he says this to the Emperor, which I thought was pretty ballsy yeah that was um, a cool move and you know although we don't know thrawn's ultimate fate because of everything that happened in rebels what do you think he did if anything with that information with the knowledge of the death star do you think that there's any way that he may have passed this information on to the chiss is that where this whole treason thing yeah. is really coming in and and either way do you think that the chiss knew about it whether or not it came from thrawn yeah, that's that's kind of like really where I thought the book was gonna go. As soon as it as soon as it brought up all that Krennic stuff and Tarkin stuff, like yeah, like it talks about the reason that Thrawn is so obsessed with doing something about the Grisk while he's working with the Empire is because of the quote unquote threat to the Chiss, right? Well, in in my head, a friggin' Death Star is like way more of a threat to the Chiss than anything else, and like. I was I was really I really thought it was going to go like you know the treason aspect of this book was going to be that like maybe he was not really cool with the empire having this ultimate super weapon that could be used to threaten the the Chiss ascendancy with Guys and, what if we found out that Thrawn does betray the emperor and the first planet that they actually blew up with it was the Chiss homeworld in Oh lord it, as payback from the emperor on Thrawn Guys, I'm going to say, this sounds like a great book, what you're describing. It's not the one we got, <laughs> and it's just, uh, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Like, it's, the, it's such a dangerous plot line, a thought line to go down the, like, this is what I wanted. Yeah, no, I hate that. I, I definitely and... hate that, but the only reason that I like doing that with this book a little more is that that is set up. Like, you literally set, well set up. up. And that's the interesting parts of the book is that I, mean, I just have to trust that Zahn did that for a reason, though. Like for a Thrawn reason, yeah, for a Thrawn reason. Like he had to. Uh, like Zahn is. <laughs> I am crossing out the T on my novel's cover. Thrawn I love that reason. so much. Oh my gosh! I don't know. Like Zahn is—he's so tactical in the way he writes. I mean, like everything seems to ha- have a reason to me. And yeah, like I, I hate—I hate talking about real world stuff. Like it's like. It's like metagaming in a way. Like, I hate to say that Zahn did this because of job security. That's stupid. He doesn't need right. job security. Yeah, no. Like he's it's, it, he's, he he's one of the most – Yeah, right. I think he does have a plan, and, like, I, I don't think we're done with it yet, and I don't think we're done with Thrawn yet, and, you know. Agreed. Yeah, but I think that, that definitely the the idea of – let's go back to the original question, right? Did Thrawn know about the Death Star? What did he do with that info? Yes. I definitely – I also think that the whole idea of – you know, no one else in the Empire knew this is garbage because it's a giant military and, like, everyone whispers. Yes, so, like, and requires billions of people, like... To work on it. Yeah. Completely eliminated the entire Geonosian population to build it. So. Yeah. How did they know about this? Well, okay, like, leaks happened. So I think Thrawn right. knowing about it, I just... I took that... Great. Of course he did. Um, that actually legit didn't bother me about Thrawn. And as far as that info, I think that he is tactical enough because he didn't, as far as we know morally object to the death star like he wanted his tie defender project funded because of his own wants and desires because he thought that would make the military more impressive 
Or and was that to stop more? the Death Star from being built? I found, that's, not his, actually, that's not his style. I don't think that's I mean, his style, yeah. If he actually is anti-Empire, I think it makes sense. Maybe. If he well, is. Maybe. I don't know. I think I think there there's definitely a a a a possibility that Thrawn held on to the idea of the Death Star as like a chess piece that if I need to play it, I will. And sure. I still, but not until the yeah. exact moment that I need to. We still don't totally know like Thrawn's purpose at all. We know that he was sent to the Empire by the by the Chess Ascendancy to do something, but like I mean, that's the big question that's always been the big question is, like, who is he actually loyal to? And I don't know that we we will ever know that. No, truly. and we've had over a thousand pages of a, of a trilogy that yeah. is based around this idea, and we didn't find out. And I think yeah. that I really, I really love the idea that he could be morally opposed to this because it's not it's not honorable warfare the death star is not at all honorable military warfare it is just destruction for the sake of destruction and fear yeah. and i think that is very anti-thron so I think what you're saying makes sense and i think that that could have been in this book and hey if we get more of him post rebels and it's more of an isolationist argument of you know him sitting on a planet just being one-on-one and he gets to kind of let his walls down a bit and he can say you know I never wanted the Death Star to exist. Mm-hmm. I thought that could, if I could, could re- that could the. I wonder if Project Stardust could be the entire purpose of Thrawn. Like, doesn't that timeline kind of line up a little bit? Like, that's the time that he was he was sent. Would would have been in the very very early days of the Death Star's sort of planning process. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah, because Dooku had the plans, right? Right, Dooku had the plans, and like that didn't come out of nowhere, right? They had something of that scale had to have been working on for much longer than. Ever so that's maybe, interesting. If Thrawn's maybe whole purpose, the Chiss, yeah. yeah, his whole purpose is to like you know befriend the Empire before they built this super weapon that allegedly had never been done. So. To either destroy the weapon and make them an ally of the Chiss, or mm-hmm. to rise up high enough and destroy them from within. But then the Grisk yeah. appear, and maybe it's like, oh no, I didn't expect this. Sure, that could I mean, fit. It could maybe, uh, yeah. Th- I don't I, know. Yeah, I just feel like we're doing so a lot of legwork on on this book to be like. I think I, I don't want to work this hard to make the book. Well, I'm not. I'm sense. not just talking about this book anymore. No, I'm I, talking I know, about. I know. I'm talking about all the way back to the very beginning. We talked about this last episode. Yeah. of like yeah. Thrawn being sent by the Chiss to quote unquote infiltrate the Empire because uh-huh. that is what has happened, and that he admitted that early on. Yep. So like. I don't know. We don't know why they sent him. There's no reason that I can think yeah. of that they would have sent him. Other or than, if he stayed loyal to them or decided that the Empire was strategically better. Is Thrawn a sleeper agent? That is the question. I don't know. I think yes. I think, you think yes, so? but that's that's my thought. Now, I want to I wanna get your answer, even if it's just a yes or no. Yes. Do the Chiss know about the Death Star before it essentially is introduced to the galaxy by the Empire on purpose? I don't know. As, as far as... I don't think Thrawn is actively communicating with the Chiss, like because it sounds like Eli Vanto just showed up and like yeah. without a message True. from Thrawn, other than that, hey, Thrawn sent me. So like, I I don't think he's like you know sending them you know vlogs on a weekly basis of like, hey yo yo yo, what up? It's your boy <laughs> Thrawn here. Like you know, I don't think that's happening. So like and subscribe, like it'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say yeah. no. I lo- again, I like the okay. the- I like the theory that they sent him because they heard about the Death Star, but I don't, I don't, I haven't seen the building blocks for that yet. Okay, I just I really like to let my mind wander. <clears throat> yeah. with, with these stories, of course, yeah, I totally get it, especially with a character like Thrawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. 
I want to take us kind of to the end of the story now because yes. we have started getting these epilogues in all of the new canon books mm-hmm. that always seem to be this really tantalizing scene. It is very, very similar to Marvel's like post credit scene in a lot of 100%. ways. Yeah. And I love them. I really enjoy them. And they always mm-hmm. seem to set up a, a cool idea. Yeah. Now, this epilogue in particular, I thought was very interesting because it gave us direct ties to the Rebels TV series. So for for anyone that hasn't read the book and doesn't know exactly what is in the epilogue, I'll tell you. The Emperor essentially informs Thrawn that he will be sending him instructions to build a chamber on the Chimera, which mm-hmm. is Thrawn's Star Destroyer. And he tells Thrawn that he wants Ezra Bridger from the Rebels TV series Mm -hmm. to be brought to that chamber. And we know what that chamber is already from the television series. It's the one where where the Emperor tried to convince Ezra to essentially go through this weird gateway or portal to go back to his parents. And he would supposedly be able to live happily ever after in sort of a different time with his parents and Ezra refused to do this, et cetera. But what were your thoughts on seeing that in this novel in particular? And I mean, do you think that that's something that they asked Zahn to put in this book? Or is that something that he's been wanting to tie into this the entire time? What are your thoughts? I I think he did it. I I always ask my opinion on, on how, on what authors are I will always assume that authors do everything originally and they're never asked to do anything. I think if anything, sure. they're asked to take things away or maybe clarify mm-hmm. something. But I don't think that, you know, I just find it really, based on what other authors has, have said, I find it really hard to believe that, like, they come back to him with feedback. Like, hey, we want you to do this as an in credit scene or mention it in some way. I really find that hard to believe. So I think this is Zahn's own own doing personally. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, I think my gut, my gut wants to be like, yeah, maybe they made him do it, but he's Timothy Zahn. No one's making him do anything. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that... And also, that's not how the story group works. We said that last episode. They're not all-powerful mm-hmm. boogeymen, whatever. Yeah. Well, maybe I... the Grisks are controlling the story group. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Matt Martin is a Grisk. Um, no, I think that he put it in. And that, that scene is interesting for me because, in a way, I could see that that is Palpatine's way of saying, okay, I... I do trust you, Thrawn, because that's a huge level of trust. I mean, if he gets into the world between worlds, then Palpatine has basically unchecked immortal power, right, is mm-hmm. the idea. Pretty much. So if that – if he's entrusting Thrawn to build that, I think I that mean, is – is, is is that a gateway to the world between worlds? Is that really what that was? It, I, I don't know. It wasn't – it was part of the same temple that that Ezra entered when he was in – the world between worlds, but the portal itself wasn't into the world between worlds. It was almost like one of the portals from that area that would take mm. him to a specific time where his parents would yeah. still be alive. But as far as I understand, I, I be- isn't there something about, again, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Rebels rewatch right now. Isn't there something? I like- rewatched all these episodes two days ago. Oh, just dude, to you're refresh. awesome. Thank you. God, you're great. Uh, it, wasn't there something about like if if he does that because Ezra has a certain way to manipulate the world between worlds that Palpatine could then use that temple to like isolate the power and then willingly go in or did I make that up? Well, so from my standpoint, what I understood was you know 
At first, I thought the Emperor was wanting to control Ezra in a similar way that he controls Anakin and eventually tries to control Luke and just say, like, listen, I can give you access to to those that you love that are gone. Mm -hmm. And I thought he was wanting to use Ezra as potentially an apprentice. Right. Um, But what he really seemed to be saying was that if Ezra goes through that portal, he will live happily ever after with his parents, but he will be out of the equation, essentially. Like, he could never come back through that, and then, that was and then would be... Oh, okay. That yeah, he could never help the rebellion again. He could God, never, yeah. you know... Because the Emperor saw how powerful I, I don't, he was getting. Yeah. Which also, would have cemented the Empire's... The temple thing was also, like, a giant hologram in a lot of ways. So, like, I could also see that having been the case. Like, it was just holographic, and it wasn't, like, actually a, some kind of portal to anything. Because he didn't go through it at all. He just touched it, didn't he? He, he was did, about to go through it, and then he destroyed the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he physically destroyed it, so there was there was physical wreckage. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I, it's I, not I really clear. You know, yeah. there's still a lot of questions surrounding all of that. But that's why I love seeing it tied to this book mm-hmm. because what we're seeing is the fate of Thrawn and Ezra are so connected. Yeah, that which is awesome. we are inevitably going to see anything that that Zahn writes after this novel is going to be tied. To Ezra, if he's yeah. writing about Thrawn, it's which, just, it has to be. Which honestly, like even us just talking about that right now has gotten me so much more like titillated and excited than like a lot of the things we've talked about in the past two episodes of this book. Because I think ultimately, to your point, Charles, about the epilogues, right? I also love them. I love the idea of them. I think they are often written very well, and it, it does that thing where you close the you close the book and you're like, God, I can't wait for the next story, which I think is the purpose. Yeah. And absolutely. My my only issue with this epilogue was that I actually really liked how it was written and I don't think you needed the book beforehand because I don't yeah. I don't think that Palpatine's opinion on Thrawn did not change from the end of alliances to the epilogue of treason. I think it was basically the same conversation of I don't know if I can trust you That's and funny. and the whole rebels tie-in wasn't really the Lothal stuff is more mentioned than alliances anyway. Right. So, I mean, I, I, really, I really think it was well-written. I think that it, it still makes me so excited for the next book, which is its purpose. But yeah. if I'm reading the epilogue, like, for instance, I read um, A Crash of Fate right after this, and the epilogue for that, no spoilers because that's not what this podcast is about, is very tied to that story, and it launches off, and I think that it does it very well. And I wish this epilogue... I, rather, I wish this book had done more to serve the epilogue, which is a really weird sentiment. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't. So we know that something I was going to bring up is we know that like Disney is trying to get away from like the whole Empire Rebellion saga, right? They're saying we're, saying we're done with the Skywalker saga after Episode Nine yeah. and stuff, and like like this could be a very interesting setup for stuff that has nothing to do with the Empire and Rebellion. And and honestly, an interesting question is: Do you guys think that? Thrawn is done with the Empire at where he's at now at the end of Rebels like because this is a very easy setup I think to you know they've been shot into wild space and you know maybe maybe the continuation of the Thrawn Ezra story is something to do with the Grisk like maybe they team up to defeat this thing that's out in the you know beyond the Outer Rim kind of thing but like yeah I, if, I don't know the do, question do you is, think do you think they're does done he with return the as a Grand Admiral to the Empire at any point in time no no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. And I also think that so again, spoilers for Rebels. If you haven't read Rebels, so yeah, Matt, we can clax on this. Spoilers for Rebels. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. At the end of the series, Sabine does the whole monologue and says, Ezra's still not back, and this is after the Empire. Yeah. So, yeah. And Ezra, so they're all gone. So I, I, it's been years. How long has the time has passed? They're a lot older. It seems like. So. Yeah, I mean, Leia was in the in the young Senate. I mean, when J- Jason has been born and is like four or five years yeah. old. Yeah. Right? I'd I mean, say it's probably been, been a, six, seven years, uh, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, between seven to ten years, and I think that there is a big possibility that the next time we see Thrawn and Ezra, like it's been a bit. It's been yeah. years, and also when you're in. Maybe depending on how the pergil work, like do they bend time differently at certain points? Like, do they just take them? That's to just, a good question. Like, have they just been living castaway style on this planet? And yeah, you know who? When Sabine next runs into Ezra and Thrawn, they are different people, and I think yes. that 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 is fascinating. And if I mean, can you imagine seeing Sabine and Ahsoka? Okay, so here's what I want out of this. Again, this is personally no evidence based on this. Sabine and Ahsoka go off to find Ezra and Thrawn. It takes them a couple of years additionally of searching to find them. When they do, they are 100% a team, like best friends. Ezra is like all grown, is super, super powerful as a Jedi. And they are both have been prepping for the Grisks. And they're like, yeah. the war is over. Oh, cool. We don't care about that war. Something way bigger has been happening. Like Thrawn and Ezra on the same team, you yeah. mean? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. could see that, and that might actually be a good story. Is like because, and it fits Thrawn's character well. We know that like he's not in it for any sort of loyalty. The only loyalty he has is it seems to be honestly the greater galaxy as a whole, which yeah. in a way is okay, I think, and maybe not really villainous. So there it yeah, is. I, I, yeah, I think I could, that anything they can do because Thrawn is a quote unquote villain, but he is perfectly set up for a switch. Yeah, yep. he's he's a tactical villain. The way that like like Rommel in the <laughs> German military was a villain. He's a villain because he's he's Rommel and he's a Nazi. But like at the same time, he's just a tactical genius. So like I, I don't I don't know. I, I I could totally see it working out nicely, and that would be a really beautiful way to sort of see the expanded universe spin off into something that has nothing to do with with. You know the yeah. the Skywalker saga, which we haven't seen yet out of canon yeah. books. So. I mean, give me that. Give me the Sabine and 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 Ahsoka finding Thrawn and Ezra, and then being like, you know, didn't tell me that the, their years together in flashbacks. Give me those. Does, does it have years. to come back and connect to the First Order somehow? I don't know. I think it doesn't it's, have to. I think it depends. If Snow, on maybe if Snoke is it depends if Snoke is a Grisk. <laughs> yes. Snoke is a Purgle. Oh, God. that's where this is going. Now, no, but to me, I mean, I think that this epilogue and these things that they're doing, it's just proof that this is all going to tie together. And Mm -hmm. this may be a trilogy of books, but that, again, I I will say, does not mean that it is supposed to contain Thrawn's entire story. There's a lot more. There's no way it's done. No, and I I think he's going to end up a hero, and I think we're going to get that story from the Disney Plus app. That's what I think. But we'll see. I don't don't, don't know about that. Maybe. I'm down for whatever the story is going to be. Yes. So Rebels, let's Rebels that this, was just too popular for it not to conclude somehow. That's yes. You know. Agreed. Agreed. So let's assume that this is a trilogy. Just look at these three books: Thrawn, Thrawn Alliances, Thrawn Treason. What's your overall opinion of it, looking back on the entire thing, and how does it compare to your opinion on the Legends Thrawn trilogy? Not that they're easy to compare, but yeah. Overall, I think that the new canon, the canon Thrawn novel, the first one, is still a top tier book. This trilogy as a whole I found unfortunately pretty disappointing. I I don't 
see myself going back to reread them at all. But I think that I still have a lot of faith in, as we're just talking right now, everything we just we just talked about, I'm very excited for. But I think it's way more tied to my love for Rebels than it is for what's been set up in these novels. And so overall, as I said in an earlier episode, I'm not in love with the Thrawn Legends trilogy. I think it's good. I respect it. Quality of storytelling, I think I'm going to put it above this new one. But, I don't know, I think if, if you like Thrawn, definitely still give him a read, but it just wasn't my bag. Yeah, I, I think I think that, like, the community is probably going to look back on this trilogy as being ahead of its time, especially if we eventually get a bigger picture story told, right? That has something to do with the Grisk and Ezra and mm-hmm. Rebels, where it all fits nicely together. It just feels like, it feels like right now... It's it's ahead of its time in that like they've set up really big stories that we don't yet know are big stories. So it's hard to sort of it's hard to fit it in the puzzle. It's almost like it's almost like it's it's a it's a quality bit of a really large puzzle. Like it's a bottom corner that has something to do with the big picture as a whole. But like the pieces don't really quite fit in where they're supposed to be. Or maybe we're missing some pieces or you can't see the whole picture. And I mean, I, I did generally really enjoy the. The, the the quote unquote trilogy. I mean, the first Thrawn book is one of my favorite canon books. I really liked it, um, but the uh, you know Thrawn alliances and Thrawn treason just felt like they were setting up such a bigger story that I can't. I just don't feel like I'm capable of understanding right now, and that makes it hard. I think to look at it as being like, oh, this is an amazing trilogy, like the way that we look at like the aftermath trilogy, where it like told a a beautiful cohesive story that yeah. fits nicely within a big picture and right. is important. And like, I just can't tell you that this is important right now. Yeah. And I think it's hard. Yeah. And I think it's tough to, again, in the world we're living in, like i if you're telling me to drop 28 to 30 bucks on a hardcover book, I kind of want a story. And I think that it can definitely be part of a bigger thing, but I, sh- I don't know. There, there's something to that. This is a sol- solid piece of media. And even if, in this, if we're going to the movies as examples, Empire Strikes Back is the middle chapter of a thing with a lot of unknowns, but it's a complete mm-hmm. movie. Um, right. Yeah, and that, and, but it also it's easy for us to look at Empire now too and be like, "Wow, this makes a lot of sense" because we know about exactly, you know, Rajay. Yeah, I think that anything, any time you have a story like this, because it's a very similar thing right now for since we're in between the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker. Until you have the complete story opinions are kind of still up in the air on on its individual pieces because when we have Thrawn's entire story we're going to look back at this and have that ending in mind exactly. and see where things are going the same way that we're going to do with with the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi after we get to see the Rise of Skywalker yeah. the first parts are inevitably you know impacted mm-hmm. by the ending so right. we'll a, tril- a trilogy has like a beginning a middle and an end and it just not does not really feel like this Thrawn trilogy fit that formula. Very there's well. no end yet. Yeah, That's it just doesn't issue. feel like there's the yeah. end yet. It's really strange. Yeah. But I mean, overall, I you know I don't want to I don't want to crap on the Thrawn trilogy to this Thrawn trilogy too hard because like I did enjoy a lot of the reading of it and I I don't necessarily think that it is not going to be important later. So uh, you know I don't want to say that I didn't like it or there were bits that I just hated because that's really just not true. There were some things I just didn't like, but I, I don't look at bits of these books like I hated them. And Zahn is right. always welcome in my Star Wars. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And at the end of the oh, day, yeah. like, there's still not the best Star Wars book. It's still a freaking Star Wars book. And, like, that's they're, right. they're, that's we, right. we still do have a pretty baseline of enjoyment. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. There we go. Um, 
Gents, you know what time it is? The rating time? No. What? It is time for Easter eggs. Easter sir. eggs! I have a list of them for oh, you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm going to run through so these quickly. I, but please I, jump in. You know what? We I almost want to hear these at the beginning of these episodes. <laughs> we can talk about them because they're so interesting to me. All right. Well, maybe we can switch up our format next time. But here we go. All right, on page 29, a VCX-200 freighter is mentioned that Thrawn recognizes. He ought to know it because the Ghost is actually a VCX-100. Yeah. So, it's a similar type ship. Another ship that pops up on page 32, a YT-2400 freighter. That's uh, the model of Dash Rendar's ship, the Outrider. But more importantly, it is... The Molitor yeah! from our RPG that we played. <laughs> yes, we need to. I need to figure out a way to publish all those episodes again, but I don't know if I can do it without paying for it. We briefly did an RPG campaign last year and kind of published it in podcast format. And Eric was our lovely pilot and captain of his freighter, which was yeah. the Molitor. Y T twenty four hundred. Maybe we could. Uh, yeah, maybe we could put those up somewhere as part of patreon, patreon yeah. if people want to yeah. go back and listen to them all right page 69 thrawn once again uses the mark sable maneuver yep and now if you guys remember that it was actually created by ahsoka tano it's the name of a tagrutan flower uh and it's the maneuver when a command ship kind of turns its hangar bay behind it and releases oh, yeah. all of its fighters in mm-hmm. the shadow and then they attack from all sides around the the uh, command ship. So he uses it again. It's a very consistent maneuver that he uses in all of these books. So that was done cool. for the first time in the Clone Wars TV show, right? Yes. Pretty early on. It's the episode true. that, that uh, Ahsoka like, has command for the first time. So yep. awesome. Yep. Um, page 74, uh, they describe Thrawn wearing the Imperial officer battle armor, so that chest plate and helmet, and that's the same thing that we see him wearing later in the Rebels TV show during the Battle of Adalon, which sweet. I thought was pretty sweet. Uh, we also see Clauson 36 play a role in this story, and it seems like kind of a random gas, but remember, that's another reference to the Rebels TV series because that's the gas that the Purgles inhale that give them the ability to oh, yeah. jump oh, to hyperspace. Yeah. yeah, and so perhaps Thrawn's knowledge of Clauson 36 will play a role in what happens uh, between himself, Ezra, and the Purgles do, later on. Do, do you guys think that these Star Wars authors like like E.K. Johnson did this a lot too? Like that, that book had so many Easter eggs, like for like for real. There were so many in Queen Shadow. Like, mm-hmm. do you guys think that these authors just have all this knowledge like immediately on recall? Or do they have they like done some kind of research and Oh, like, it's research. Like, it's gotta be. There's yeah. like I wanna put this in here. Maybe they went back and put it in. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure some have more than others. Like, yeah. you know, I get the impression that E.K. Johnson really did love, you know, the the Clone Wars TV series. So what she brought into Queen Shadow, I think, was probably at least partly due to her fandom. That's fair. yeah. Um. Okay, so we learn that there is a Death Trooper named Waffle in this story, <laughs> and that. That is now my favorite food-related Star Wars name, taking the mantle from Kale in the novel Death Troopers. <laughs> um, I really just wanted to bring up that on page 150, Waffle says, try drawing those blasters and see how frosty we can be. And I guess that makes him a frozen Waffle. Oh, my uh, He's God. an ego. <laughs> yes, I took it there. I took it there. Yeah. Okay. The character of Mole, who we see save Eli, Ronin, and the Death Troopers from being killed on the planet Aloxor. Mm-hmm. Um, he later reveals to to be uh, himself to be the character of Deja, 
and uh, Deja is actually a member of the Imperial Security Bureau. We saw him first in Timothy Th- in Timothy Zahn's Legends novel, Scoundrels. If did you remember that. Oh, did we really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, so that, Deja yeah. is a character from that novel. Yeah. That was crazy. Wow. So yeah, that popped out. I, I recognized him. I'm like, oh, from an earlier Thrawn book. But I read Scoundrels this year for the first time. So I'm like, oh, that's why he rings yeah. the bell. That's cool. Yeah. I, I love those little small characters from <laughs> Legends being brought in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Zahn does that with a lot of his characters, it seems like. And I think maybe we could be moving towards Mara Jade showing up. Who knows? Who knows? Mm, that's a stretch. We'll see. We'll see. Hey. I'm 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 hopeful. Uh, okay, on page 152, we once again hear the name Night Swan, which harkens back to the original Thrawn mm-hmm. novel. He was the main antagonist of that novel, and uh, this is probably one of my favorite things ever. It's my last point that I'll bring up for right now. Page 294, Savit says, "I will see you in hell." just like Han Solo in The Empire Strikes Back. And he actually says it twice over the course of a couple of pages. I was like, man, they are really just hammering this reference in right now. Yeah, but, that was uh, pretty great. Some of the only swearing in all of Star Wars. Yep. Yeah, and it's like the only one of the only references to like heaven and hell and that sort of dichotomous uh, afterlife right. yeah. as opposed to you know what we th- see. There is a point, um, uh, I don't know if it's Clone Wars or Rebels, someone says like there's no way in Moraban that would happen yeah interesting yeah 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 okay guys so let's wrap this up uh let's go back and give our one to ten ratings of the book and if your score changed tell me why and then give me any final thoughts that you have just to remind you eric Corey, you both gave it a 6.5 when we started and i gave it a 7.5 so take it away i'm gonna i'm gonna stick at my 6.5 i mean i said 6 6.5 and it's gonna stay between those two honestly i think that our discussion has gotten me a lot more excited about where it can go, where the future of Thrawn can go. But as, for this novel as a whole, um, I think my my unfortunate qualms still still stand. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably I'll, I'll stick to that too. Like, I mean, we give our ratings based on really objective criteria, like the characters, the plot, the story, how important it is for the greater expanded universe, and like as as wonderful as this book will probably be looked back on um sort of in history I think once we get a little bit bigger of a story told I think for now in its own regard the book probably pretty stands in my head too of, of what we gave it originally so I'm also going to stick with my 6.5 okay so we're all sticking to our guns because I'm going to stay with my 7.5 I think I enjoyed the story more than you guys I think you have very fair criticisms of the book but you know I just had fun with the read and that's awesome. what I want at the that's end of totally the day that's totally fair yeah, and um, and I enjoyed it, and I love the character of Thrawn. I want more. I hope we'll get more, and I think we will. So, um, yeah, guys, feel free absolutely. to tweet at us your own scores for this book. Go on the utini dot com page for this book and put up your ratings and your reviews. And if you do tweet at us, um, make sure that you specifically mention why Eric and Corey are wrong. Perfect. Okay. All right, so that's our Thrawn Treason Roundtable. And at the beginning of the show, we did mention that a lot of you like our Roundtable episodes, and you're in luck because next week's episode will feature a special guest of some sort. But the week after that, we are looking to do our Crash of Fate Roundtable. So if you haven't picked that one up, be sure to grab that off of Uchini.com and help us out so you can uh, read along with us for that one. And then in the coming weeks... We'll have our Black Spire Roundtable because that book is coming out next week, y'all. So make nice. sure you have that pre-ordered again through utini.com through our Amazon affiliate. Please would be super helpful. 
And that's kind of a look at where the Living Force is going to be going. But on that note, that's going to do it for this week's episode. If you're new to the show, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every single week to hear the crew at Utini talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Please leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us and head over to Utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. If you're looking to buy some books like Black Spire or Thrawn Treason, if you liked our roundtable, and you want to help support the show, look up your book on Utini. Click the Amazon link on the profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on around here. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on patreon.com slash utini, where you can join our amazing patrons, Dylan Sasser, Adam Dyson, Timothy Dunlap, and newly Royal Farm Boy. If you want your thoughts on the show, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com, tweet at us at livingforcepod, or join our utini discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. You can find us individually on Twitter at Eric Eilerson, Corey is at DocStarWarsMD, and Charles is at C. Henkel. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, our fantastic producer, and Wes, our community manager. Thank you to Corey and Charles for podcasting with me, and as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy, there is passion. There is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.